Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we take a look back at Andy Reid's press conference during the week talking about the Super Bowl preparations. The Cali Chief leads a very spirited group together during this week's Red Friday Roundtable. But first, Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman speaks with Karis Faulkner, a Fox News co-anchor of Outnumbered and solo anchor of Outnumbered Overtime, and she talks about her career in Kansas City, as well as her fandom with the Kansas City Chiefs. The full interview will be available on the Chiefs Wire website. So being that, you know, it's been 20 years since you left Kansas City, I, I'm wondering really what struck you about the Chiefs covering the team that, that you've still kind of stuck with them, that they're still your team today. It's my friends, you yeah. know, um, my girlfriend, Wendy, was getting her pilot's license at the time, and she'd been a Chiefs fan since she was a kid. And she would merch me up from her own closet. Like, she has so much stuff, Charles. And I tease her about it now, because when I go down to Miami next week, she lives in Naples, so she's going to meet us down there. And I said, do you still have that closet full of merch? And she goes, when I moved to Florida, they had to put it in three large boxes. And it's with me. I'm like, I'm scared. I'm really scared, but can I borrow some? Um, But, you know, uh, Nick Lowry is a very good friend, and he's somebody who, you know, as I got married and became a mom, I would check in with him because I loved his perspective on staying cool in the hottest of moments. And being an NFL kicker, a Hall of Fame, that's a lot of pressure. And being at the network level of television, there have been times when I've leaned on my buddy. I've said, so, you know we're at a crisis point with this or whatever. And he's like, just remember you're in that spot for a reason. Keep it cool. So what would it mean to you if they were to go on and and indeed win the Super Bowl? You know, I don't know that I could live my life with my head popped off, but I've tried (laughs) to contemplate what that would be like because it's going to just explode. You know, (laughs) literally my head's going to pop off. Like I'm just, going to be in that moment of, can you believe it? Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that suddenly people will understand, why does Harris wear so much red on TV? <laughs> I think they think it's because it's like a TV color. Eh. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's like a Friday. <laughs> I do. But I mean, just in the grander sense, I have two young girls, yes. a 10 and a 13 year old, and they have watched me cheer them on. They've watched me last year. I really thought they were going to do it, you know, and they didn't. Um, And my youngest daughter, Danica, who, yes, is named after Danica Patrick, the race car driver. Danica said to me, she goes, you know, Mommy, I love the fact that you're able to believe in them even when they're losing. And I'm like, well, they're not exactly losing. (laughs) So which my 13-year-old Bella says, well, what's the opposite of winning, Mom? It's not tying. And I'm like, yeah, but you just have to believe. So it's going to be fun yeah. when they win the Super Bowl for my girls to look at me and say, now we know why you, you hung in there, because anything's possible. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com, and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable.
Chiefs Kingdom. This is your Cali Chief coming at you. Danilo DiGiulio, Thunder Dan on Twitter and Instagram. I've got some good news and some bad news, Chiefs Kingdom. Got to share with you. The bad news, there won't be any Chiefs, not one single player. After the amazing season we've just witnessed, arguably the best season in Chiefs history in about 50 years, not even one Chiefs player would be playing in the Pro Bowl this year. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. They will all be replaced by alternates. A number of those will be coming from the Tennessee Titans. Because our Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in my life. Sorry to fanboy out there, but uh, it's been a long time coming. But the change done come for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's exciting. Uh, I wanted to talk to some of my regular guests this week, seeing as it's uh, practice week for the teams and media week gets crazy next week. So I wanted to bring everybody in for an AFC championship victory lap because this has never happened in my life before. So we're just going to talk about what we thought about the game and the season and how we feel about things going forward on the franchise and, and the level of what it could be. My first guest today is Ryan Tracy from RGR Football and Locked On Chiefs, and I know that he was as excited as I was watching that game turn into what it turned into. How are you doing today, Ryan? You know, I'm feeling better than I was last week, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. It's a little odd. It's a little weird feeling. I'm like, every day has been like, oh, so this is what it feels like to not be finished, <laughs> to not be diving into the draft yet, to be the last two teams before the uh, off season comes along. It's Pro Bowl week, and we're not worried about it because we're still focused on a real game. <laughs> what was your uh, what was your take on the game, first of all, just in general terms, what were your thoughts and your feelings watching the game? You know, for the first time, uh, being down 10-0, I was not afraid. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, I don't like to see a team get in a hole at that, but they've even worn me down where it doesn't seem like it even matters anymore. Uh, I, I was not surprised that the first drive gave up points and that they rolled, but I did feel that it was a victory in keeping them out of the end zone to begin with. Agreed. Um, getting getting the defense off on, on a decent roll. Um, and if it wasn't for a drop or a little bit of stall there in that first drive, I think it would have been um, an even better start, but you just can't ever count them out at this point. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it after, and you, and you never know. Things happen for a reason. We talked about the fact that if we beat the Titans in Week 10, if Kansas City won Week 10, they don't get Terrell Suggs. Yep. Different things happen. Maybe they maybe they don't get that slap in the face they need. Maybe they get it later. Maybe they get it in the playoffs, which doesn't help anybody. Right. <laughs> and we never know what, what's going to lead to the next evolution of this team. And I thought about it, and I was like, well, if we don't have those drops, the way we were moving, everything with Patrick was right on target again like the week before. Maybe we go down and go up 7-3 on the first drive, and then maybe we don't have the same, okay, we got to get this right mentality the rest of the game, and maybe they falter at the end. Maybe they don't get the win. Maybe some silly things happen again because they aren't as dialed in. Because I think they were a little bit wavy Mm -hmm. on that first drive where some guys, again, weren't dialed in and just – I think that gave him a little snap to moment of, no, no, this is the playoffs. This is the AFC title game. This is hyper-focus time. There's no there's no cruise through this game. It doesn't matter <laughs> how many teams are left. This team wants us to go down, and they've beaten us before, 
And unfortunately, in Chiefs history, they've beaten us a number of times. I still stand on the fact that I don't think they ever lost to a Titans team that was better than them. They just didn't execute. And I think all the guys needed that little kick in the pants to say, not on our watch. Yeah, I mean, you could feel where it was going, but that certainly like brought the urgency straight to the forefront. And I think that's what they needed. I'm, I have to say that I'm very impressed as the season goes on that they're getting more and more, not just vocal leadership, not inspirational leadership, but example. It's one thing for stars like Matthew and Clark to talk about playing well and talk about making plays at big times. But the last six weeks, and particularly in the postseason, you've seen those guys come up time after time and make those plays and lead by example too. One of the things that I'm doing on my channel this week is really the how it all comes together, particularly for Dan Sorensen and Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the better examples of how a leader, a, a star, a big time, big playmaker can affect the rest. And, and you know, I'm kind of separating it, you know, the, the front versus the secondary, but still sure. like that kick in the pants, I think is really what, what lifts and spurs all the other players that are following that example to actually like reach their heights, to reach their potentials. Yeah, it definitely elevates guys being led on field. And I mean, some of the hits, I, I, I responded to a tweet by Teron Matthew uh, today, just basically saying, you know, the, for all the intangibles he's brought and the leadership on the field and the physical play, but all the intangibles he's brought as well, you know, Chiefs Kingdom's very thankful. But also, I mean, when he gets a chance, he does lay the wood. <laughs> he, yeah. had a nice, he had a nice hit in that game. Frank Clark had one play where he didn't make the tackle. But he pushed the right tackle back into the mass of humanity that was coming, trying to come off the line as it seemed like every chief on defense was pushing the line backwards and collapsing it around um, around Derrick Henry like a black hole caving in on itself. And then Frank just <laughs> ragdolls the right tackle out of the way, throws him on the ground, and just walks away like an irritated guy with a wet newspaper in his hand. It was just so – I was like, wow, these dudes are not to be intimidated. They're not – they're just not. They're those guys that are like, we're taking this. We're taking this game. We're winning this football game. We're sending you packing. Like you said, the 10 nothing. I was like, okay. You know, everybody's like, oh, shades of last week. <laughs> what, what happened last week? <laughs> if you want right. to go shades of last week, <laughs> then we should win by a lot, right? Is that what's going to happen? And it was just, I never had doubts of the, about the team and, and the play by Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of which, I believe I've been forthright on here uh, over the last two years and said the fact that my favorite quarterback of all time previously was Steve Young, and he has been surpassed by Patrick Mahomes. No offense, Steve. You know, it's a new generation, and he's a chief, so there's that. But on on a scale of 1 to 10, how how high on that grade would you say that that run was in comparison to like a Steve – how close was it to a Steve Young-type run? Like his his run against the Vikings, his run against the Rams, like those epic. Sure. You know. I mean, those are some of his most iconic plays. And I'll tell you that this is going to be one of Patrick's most iconic plays. I'll put him right up there against it because it wasn't just, this is one thing that I highlighted when I did the video on it. It's not just that he ran to the sideline and found himself a hole. He used his body to let everybody think that he was letting up and just going to run out of bounds. And that got him a little bit of a split second. Then, you know, cutting it back inside and, and attacking when he could, it did remind me of Young in that 
when you think he's done, he's not done. He's going to push you uh-huh. farther than you expect. And I love that aspect of it. I'd like to see a reverse angle of NFL films. If you have it out there, I'd love to see the reverse angle of what his face looked like. Because when Ryan Tannehill tried to take it on himself at one point during the game and go, oh, you know what? I'll just run like I did last time we played them. And Dan Sorensen said, I think not. Crunch. (laughs) They showed the reverse angle and Tannehill's face looked terrified. He was like looking for a hole, looking for a look back and realize it's about to happen. I'm about to get crushed. Patrick turned and looked at Rashawn Evans and looked him right in the face for hundreds of a second. I don't know if he did like a head thing or whatever he did to dead leg him. But it was like Rashawn Evans, like frozen time for like a hundredth of a second. And that was just enough for Patrick to just skirt right past him. And he hugged <laughs> air. I want to see what Patrick's face looked like. Did he use some like Jedi mind trick? This is not the tackle you're looking for. Or so, what was going on? Well, because I don't know what the expression him. was, but I'll bet you his tongue was hanging out. <laughs> right? <laughs> pulling, a, pulling a Jordan. Yeah, I actually made that comment watching the game when we saw the Tannehill reverse angle. I said, he's no Jordan. (laughs) There's no no confident expression of, I got to make this play. It's it's like, I don't want to get killed here. Yeah, that one for my money, the way he moved down the field, stayed in bounds. And I I have the reverse angle, um, the shot from the end zone. Somebody, some great photographer who I'm forever grateful for. Uh, this is going to be a poster in my man cave. I'm going to get a huge. I told my wife, this is what I want for my birthday. My birthday is April 29th. And it's always like right around the draft, which is awesome. I said, mm-hmm. this is what I want for my birthday. There is a picture from the end zone. It looks like Andy Reid is like willing Patrick forward. And Eric Benjamin is like, that's that's a good run right there. <laughs> it's just like a happy <laughs> running back. Some of the guys in the background are like, what? <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, of course, the Titans player is falling to the ground. And Patrick has his, he's got the ball in one hand up in the air. And then the other hand looks like you could put a Harry Potter wand in there. Like he's doing magic. <laughs> it's such a great photo. But his eyes are like Romanowski-esque focused like the way Romanowski used to be focusing on the quarterback of the backfield, he's all end zone. There's no, this run's not ending without points. Nice. And if it does, we got a timeout. But this run is not ending without points. It's just that, I mean, Eric Bienemy and and, and and Andy, it's like if anybody ever wanted to steal our plays, their like play cards are hanging down by their side, yeah, right. wide open to the cameras because they're <laughs> like, they're waiting, <laughs> waiting to see what happens. It's just a great, it's a great photo. I'd love to give credit to that photographer. If I ever find out who did it, I will, uh, I'll definitely blast it out there. But um, were there any, what were your favorite moments if you had a couple watching this game? You know, f- for me, it was watching Taylor Lewan not be able to replicate his his attitude, you know what I mean? Taylor Wan's a leader on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. And as you saw him on the sidelines as the game went on, he's one of the guys that I kind of watch. Right. And you could just see the shoulders kind of sink. Yeah. Like you got to the point in the mid-third quarter where he's not rallying his guys up anymore. Yeah. Or if he is, it's sporadic at best. And that, that really shows you the will of what Mahomes in particular, but the offense as a whole can take out of other teams. I think that's key. I think that's going to be important when it comes to the Super Bowl as well, that it's one thing that team's coming off a huge run game, right? Where they were mm-hmm. explosive and they were unstoppable and they were able to dominate just as much as this Chiefs team was against the Titans. Right. The Chiefs have to be who they are. And if they can get to that point and get to those huge plays that just demoralize the other side, I think that's going to be a significant factor. I would think that any coach worth his 
skin on the 49ers defense and offensive side. Just looking at that, if they're watching the Chiefs-Titans game, and then they look at their game, and just general face value comparison, it's like, okay, we, the 49ers, did basically what the Titans did the last two weeks. How'd that work out against Kansas City? <laughs> Mm-hmm. We don't have Derrick Henry. We got a bunch of fast guys. That's great. We don't have Derrick Henry who made plays, even plays that he didn't get yardage on. They lasted a couple seconds longer because it was hard to bring him down. Even if he was in the backfield as a yard out, a yard behind the back, like just he was just hard to get down. If the Chiefs get to the line of scrimmage, when I was in the military, there was like there's line of departure and uh, line of attack and all these different terminologies that are very similar to football terminologies, and the goal is the same. Use deception to fool the enemy, to make him think you're doing something you're not, do the thing you want to do, and arrive at the line of attack with more people than they do. Mm -hmm. And they did that very well against Kansas City in Week 10. They didn't, and Seth Kaiser, your buddy, he illustrated that really well on some stuff leading up to the game that week. He showed some clips where they were like, I mean, before the play was even started, there were holes that you could drive a truck through. I'm like, why? Right. Where's there? There's nobody there. There was one play on the goal line where there were 10 guys on the field. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I know where he's going. <laughs> and that's where he went. <laughs> you know, path of least resistance. But it was, everything was covered up. That first drive was like, oh, if it's like this all day, it's going to be a long day. Even though they only got three. But then it wasn't. And then they scored that touchdown they declare i listened to the the call on the radio last night i got to hear the rebroadcast on sirius i got to hear the voice Mm. mitch doing it and uh you know you hear you could hear the the refs announce in the background number 71's now like declaring eligible and sure enough they throw the touchdown to the tackle but that was it i'm looking at that going this is very patriots-esque they're already going into the bag of tricks to try to keep points going on the board and we haven't we've been vanilla and we're just marching down the field yeah, I just I just feel like the 49ers, if they're hanging their hat on they're going to run the ball in this Chiefs team, they are not the same running team that the Titans were. I would say that they're not as powerful, and that was the biggest headache in Week 10 was the power of the running back. The Chiefs defense, it's like, well, how are they going to practice and imitate the speed of the 49ers running backs? Is there anybody huh. on the roster, do you think, that <laughs> maybe, maybe imitate some of that speed? Okay, okay, now conversely, how is the 49ers defense going to imitate the speed of McCole Harbin and Tyree Kill flying down the field? Right. we got a pretty good one-for-one Kittle, Kelsey. You know, both teams can practice against the tight ends. Sure. But that wide receiving core, man, I mean, they've got Emmanuel Sanders and a bunch of guys. Yeah. And Emmanuel's not. Although I will say this, I like Debo Samuel. I like what he brings. He's oh, a sure. tough runner. Um, yeah. So especially if they're going to send him over the middle, if he gets behind those linebackers, he's going to make some yards after the catch. Yeah, it's it's that's the thing. It's like contain a couple guys like the Titans had a couple guys, mm-hmm. you know, AJ. I wanted Brown. I wanted the Chiefs to get Brown. Yeah, I was happy with Hardman. I was like Hardman was my first pick, but I was like hoping Brown would be around. But I just feel like they're just they're not as deep in those spots. Everybody talks about the defense and I'll get into that more next week when we talk more details. But I think there's a lot there's a lot more equality in a lot of the 49ers strength areas and there's a lot more depth in the Chiefs strength areas. Mm-hmm. It's lopsided a little bit that way. And then when you get to the most important position on the field, Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick gosh darn <laughs> Mahomes. Yeah. And the dude is just he's just something else. No way around it. It's unique to have him and it sets you up not only 
for this Super Bowl, but for a few Super Bowls to come. Yeah, I've heard more than one pundit jumping on board with what I've been saying for over a year and a half now, people. I'm trying to get Warren Moon, if you're out there listening, I'm trying to get you on here, buddy. I want to get you on the show (laughs) because I think you were the pioneer that set this up for a lot of guys that weren't getting shots because of human stupidity, because of the rapper we came in. People were a little ridiculous. There's still a lot of ridiculous people out there in this world, but we're getting it. We're finally getting it. And Patrick's kind of the the best of both worlds. He's, you know, comes from both cultures and he's amazing. We've got guys from both sides that are amazing and he's like the connector point. And I feel like, and I felt like since he came to the Chiefs, that he could be to the NFL what Warren Moon was to the CFL, which is knock on the championship door your first year as a starter and then kick it in for five straight. And if he does that even three times, that's something that hasn't been done since the merger. So I think we're up for a uh, a fun ride, Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs> I think next week is going to be interesting. I'd love to have you back on again next week and break down the game and what we see happening and maybe talk about anything we saw. Oh, what was your, before you go, I want to ask you your thoughts on Frank's um, speech <laughs> after the game. Oh, His I like it. His uh, virtuoso performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> The weird thing for me is when when you make this whole this whole enterprise that I undergo between the podcast and the YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, you don't cuss. Uh-huh. In my daily life, I can't say that's the same. And sure. I love the fact that Frank Clark sees no line in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that he's he's raw and he's he's truthful about it. I I think that chip actually helps not only him but this whole defense. Like he's he's pissed off all the time. Yeah, every little slight you got to use it, and you'll hear. Athletes in a, in a number of different sports always talk about constantly having to find that thing to give them the edge. Yeah. Frank Clark doesn't have that problem. He mm-hmm. brings it for everybody. I mean, you, you don't let him jaywalk. I think you're, he's going to get pissed off and use it somehow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I feel like what you said about the truthfulness, that's the big thing for me. I was never, when I played, I was never a big bang your chest kind of guy. I just kind of like brought my lunch pail and did my thing. I get fired up and I get excited Kind of like Alex Smith used to. Like it was a really big moment, and people really didn't believe in you in that moment. The Chargers comeback was the most fired up I ever saw Alex Smith get. Yeah, when he ran that in at the goal, I'm like, now if you could just be that guy like five times a week and three times on Sunday, you'd be one of the best quarterbacks in a long time. Right. But he just was so composed, and it, you need a couple dogs on the team. You need a couple guys that are D A W G dogs, bringing it, barking it, and and proving it on the field, not just. It's the truth. He's not talking up a big game. He's not trying to be braggadocious. He's not trying to be, ooh, look at me. It's how he felt in the moment Yeah, to the nth degree. There was no filter. There was no, and we ain't done. I love that. Mm. Just, there's not, this is not enough. People, some people are trying to say, you know, this, this, this might be enough for the Chiefs because they haven't been there and they haven't been. What are the 49ers? Which one of them has a ring from before? Right. Those players, besides Jimmy with his backup rings. Those guys aren't mustard Super Bowl contenders. This is going to be a huge deal for them as well. I think it's going to come down to coaching. I like our, what is it, 23-5 and five now after the bye, including playoffs for Andy. Right. I like those odds. Uh, he's done it twice this year. It's just uh, I think things lined up really well. The universe like got us healthy at the right time. Mm. We got went through the injuries. Everybody's talking about well, the Niners lost this guy and lost that guy. Don't even get me started on how many people we lost. Right, twelve to IR at this point, right? So hey, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got we've got eleven or twelve sacks on IR right now. Yeah, but you know what? You look forward and you just keep moving. You keep going, and 
I really feel uh, that this impassioned team is going to be a different cat to deal with on Super Bowl Sunday. Do you? Uh, we'll save predictions and stuff for next week. I don't want to. I don't okay. want any cats out of the bag. I mean, <laughs> I think we both feel the same way about who's going to win this thing. But I'd like to hear more details in depth next week. Yeah, sounds good. It's a pleasure having you on. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll be listening to your uh, your stuff this week, and uh, we'll talk again next week and see where we're at. All right. All right, buddy. Next, coming up on the show, we're going to be talking to Hong Forrest, the Chiefs fangirl, and we're going to hear what she has to say. It's always a pleasure to listen to the Golden Voice. We'll be right back. And welcome back. I'm here now with Chiefs fangirl and huge friend of the show, Hong Forrest. How are you doing today, Hong? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me back for this victory lap conversation here. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Actually, this is this is what this is all about this week. It's just talking to people that have been on the show this season and about how everything is just coming into perfect focus and alignment with what we had hoped. Uh, also, we both talked a number of times about the path to redemption that might take place with this road through the Houston Texans, through the Titans. Packers didn't quite make it. We don't get that rerun of the... Uh, the rematch of Super Bowl One, but that's okay because we have a very daunting task coming up with a a mighty San Francisco team that everyone assumes we should be afraid of. It seems like the running pundit narrative since actually since week ten, really after the Titans game we had in the regular season, it's basically been the Chiefs can't run the ball, the Chiefs can't stop the run, but the divisional round the Texans can, and every week. When the Chiefs win, it's replace that team that lost to the Chiefs with the team they're playing next, wash, rinse, and repeat. And nobody wants to pay attention to the fact that things have changed mightily since week 10. Crazy, isn't it? It's just absolutely crazy. Um, I think the road to redemption, I know we talked about that a few times there, especially in these last few weeks. I was kind of secretly hoping for that Green Bay Packers. Actually, I don't know how secret it was, but I really was because it really, truly felt like that real, true road to redemption, especially coming off those big victory, that big victory over the Texans, coming off and cleaning up with the Titans there. I was starting to feel that. And then, of course, we all know how that uh, NFC championship game played out, of course. But it's just been a great, great postseason run. (laughs) And I just, I couldn't be more happy, more grateful to be a fan. It just feels absolutely unreal it's their time it feels like it's their time this is a a matchup we've never before witnessed in a super bowl chiefs versus 49ers these teams are Mm -hmm. are latched at the hip over the years there's been a lot of uh 49er dare i say cast off quarterbacks that have come our way (laughs) Uh, the one that i wish we would have got we never got was steve young there was talk about him possibly coming over at one point and then he retired instead Instead, he retired because of too many concussions. And we got Elvis, which, you know, wasn't horrible, but wasn't great. And I honestly believe was the reason that uh, the Raiders went to the Super Bowl instead of the Chiefs because Rich Gannon came out just firing spitballs all over the place and looking great and making our offense go. And then he was benched summarily without any kind of real explanation other than a starter shouldn't lose his job because of injury by Marty. Old school Marty. Love you, Marty. You're a great coach for us, but that was a, I felt like that was a a flaw in the the history of the Chiefs. And that could have been a lot different had uh, Rich Gannon played in that 
especially in that game versus Denver after the first round by, I think Rich Gannon would have lit them up, but we'll never know. Big difference maker. <laughs> well, exactly. We will never know. <laughs> and here we sit on the, the doorway of the Super Bowl. And well, I don't know about you. I've been floating. I don't know about sitting. I've been floating. <laughs> <laughs> you can float for both of us. I've been hunkered down in a in a, uh, a mental three point stance, ready to charge at this puppy. I've talked to a few people. A few people have talked about. Oh, they shed some tears, and I'm like, you know what? I thought I might, but it was like, nope. There's work yet to be done. This is not over. Let uh, let those who want to have tears now let them have them. It's fine. It's fair. It's it's understandable. But uh, as a former player, I'm looking at it like we got one more win to get. Absolutely. We have one more game to go. I was going to say, that's, that's the former football player in you. I did shed tears. Yeah. I no shame in my game whatsoever. No. I just, I'm a very passionate individual, so I could be shed happy tears, excited tears, sad tears, angry tears. This was one of those moments where I was afraid to watch it at our friend's home because uh-huh. of the tears that I knew would be coming when right. that clock struck zero. <laughs> and I, I know much of Cheeks Kingdom felt the same way. Of they course. were very... We knew that those tears were the Crimea River. <laughs> this was what, what an appropriate you, moment. What are you going to do on February 2nd? What are you going to do? I are you going to lock yourself into a I, tear bunker? <laughs> I, I could very well. Absolutely. I'm going to have the reddest, biggest, puffiest eyeballs for days afterwards, but it's going to be so worth it. So, but I know, and this is, you said something that's really, really key, really important. Mm -hmm. The former football player and yourself saying that, you know, there's still work to be done. I know Mm -hmm. there's been tons of celebrations and it's rightfully so uh, because Kansas City deserves this. Our team deserves this. Our coaches deserve this. Um, The Hunt family deserves this, but there is still work to be done. I know that we are doing this victory lap, but there is still that next step because it's been 50 years because, gosh, your lifetime, my lifetime, many fans' lifetime, um, this has not been done. So there is one more step. And despite the victory, despite the celebration, there's still so much work to be done. And it's a big it's a big first time in a long time thing this past week, though, as, as well, because the trophy's named after the owner. It's named after mm-hmm. the, the man, the creator, Lamar Hunt. His name is on the trophy. It's emblazoned on the side, and they've seen it go by so many times. And just a few times it's come very near and just not quite. Last year, uh. just painfully close, and then not quite. Not so fast, Kansas City. You don't get to have your trophy back yet. Well, we've got it back now for the next year. And for the time being, I'm looking at it like it could be staying put for a minute. For a hot second, I'd, I'd like the next three to four years be, yeah, we'll bring it downstairs for the title game, which is happening in <laughs> and Arrowhead, then right and then it's going right back upstairs <laughs> where it belongs after the clock's read zero. We smoke you fools again. Uh, that, Love it. That game, what was your, what was your take on that, that Titans matchup? Uh <laughs> What happened to their run game? Where to begin? Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, where to begin? Yes. But I could not believe I knew that it, like inside we had talked about this in the week prior. You mm-hmm. know, you had said we're going to contain Derrick Henry to less than 100. But to do that at 69 yards that we kept him at, I could not believe that we were able to keep him at that um, at that yardage. It was just absolutely phenomenal to see that. Just the way that they played, the tackling that we did, Dirty Dan. I don't even remember how many times I said, <laughs> Dirty Dan. <Yeah. laughs> just, he was there making very, very poignant tackles. I 
it was one of those games where every play, and I've rewatched this game probably like about six times mm-hmm. now. Like yep. my boys walk into the room and they're like, oh, you're watching it again? Yes. <laughs> I have, I just, it was a fantastic game. It really, really was a fantastic game. And I just was heart rate all over the place, of course, but like in a happy, very confident manner, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. I, I was, I was feeling like I thought we would hold him under 75. I said, I'd be surprised if he gets 70, but you know what? It's a matter of keeping him under 125. If we kept Mm -hmm. him under 125 and everybody was saying that if he goes over a hundred yards, they're undefeated. That's nice. And he's not going to get that. Uh, We didn't outrush him with uh, Patrick Mahomes this time. It was close. Uh, But uh, our team outrushed their team. And 69 yards for one of the most bruising uh, rushing leaders we've seen in quite some time is an admirable performance. The running attack was there the first few drives. And then, contrary to the belief of some pundits who were talking about the game, I watched some some of the clips from last week and they were just saying you know and they're saying it again this week actually i should correct that they're saying it again this week that if san fran gets that running game going once if it gets going in the first quarter it's going to keep going all through the game they're not going to get it stopped later on that's all they've done since the tennessee game in week 10 is every team that has a decent running back josh jacobs for the raiders is a decent back chargers have a pair of decent backs everybody's had a few good rushes early in the game and a number of those games, if you watch them, the Charger game in Mexico City, the commentators are like, well, you know, tears off a run for about seven or eight yards, as one will do against the weak, poorest Kansas City Chiefs run defense. But then at the end of the game, all of a sudden, it's like, where all those rushing yards go to? Because they were doing well for a little while, got three or four big runs, and the rest of the game, it's 1.8 yards a carry. It's 2.3 yards a carry. It's maxing out at 3.1 yards a carry for some of the best backs that we faced down the stretch. Teams that ran on us with vigor previously, are getting held to fewer and fewer yards. The San Francisco rushing attack doesn't scare me as much as the Tennessee rushing attack did, and that one didn't scare me much because I thought guys are going to make their assignments, they're going to be assignment sound, and that would be the huge difference between the last game and this time. There weren't gaping holes pre-snap. Guys were where they were supposed to be. They were covering each other up. They were accounting for each other's motions. They were ready to go, and the honey badger was just sneak snaking all over the place. There's one clip where after Dirty Dan came in and ended any idea that Ryan Tannehill had of running like he did the first time around with that crushing shot. And it was I, I saw the replay on the all twenty-two and it was it wasn't a big long run at him he had. It was about four or five yards. It reminded me of the uh the Derek Johnson hit on the Raiders running back in Derek's last year with us where he basically moved laterally like two steps and then shot forward three yards, and he got so much speed going up in that three- or four-yard run that he put the runner on his back. And when you see the reverse angle on the broadcast, the TV broadcast, Ryan Tannehill looks terrified, (laughs) and he gets crushed. Oh, yeah, I've seen the memes come from that look. (laughs) Yeah, and that was the end of that. That was the end of his adding to the rushing attack for the rest of the night. This team was on point. This run defense was ready for whatever they threw at them, and it got less and less as the night went on. The windows got tighter, the the holes got smaller, more people got to the ball carrier every time, and as the score started going the other way, it just became more and more obvious that the Titans were thinking, we are not going to be able to run our way back into this. we got to try to throw it, and bringing a six-gun to a minigun fight, that's not a really good, you know, <laughs> Patrick's got a basically a six-barreled railgun on his shoulder, and everyone else is using a single-shot 
from like the old West days. It's it's uh, it's entertaining to watch. I don't know that the next team is going to present much more of a challenge in the passing department. Um, he basically did what Tannehill had done the previous two games to dispatch the Titans' opponents, passing very few times for very few yards, and depending on the run game, how'd that work out for the Titans this past week, fans? Hey, Chiefs <laughs> Kingdom, you think uh, Jimmy G's going to be able to throw uh, six or eight passes and and come away with a W? I think not. <laughs> and I'd say that'd be hard. I know, I was thinking about that number. I couldn't remember exactly how many passes. I think that's all he had six at the, of in eight. that NFC Championship game. Six yes, of six eight. of eight. Yeah. And they were saying, you know, it was their run game, their trio of backs. But I mean, I don't, I'm with you that I don't think that any run game can scare me no. after after this season after that what we've you had, just after saw. these last few weeks, after yeah. what we just did. No, I'm completely faithful in our defense doing whatever it takes because that is where the mentality of our team is right now, whatever it takes. And that run game they just faced, it's, I mean, you have a big bruising back. He's not slow by any stretch of the imagination. He gets forward motion constantly. Most of the 49ers yardage last week, most of it was Mostert. Mostert stepped mm-hmm. in there because Tevin Coleman separated his shoulder. They seem to think he might be ready for the Super Bowl. I don't know about a running back running around with a previously dislocated shoulder from two weeks ago. That's probably not yeah. the smartest move in the world. But that said, he's the biggest of the three. Tevin Coleman's the biggest of the three backs, and Mostert and, and Breed are more speed backs. The problem wasn't uh, a slow running back, get as many bodies as you can. Derrick Henry's a quick back. So the speed getting to the hole is there. The problem was once he gets his momentum going, he's almost always falling for two or three yards. They didn't let him get his momentum going. These guys are a different creature. They're a little faster, but you get one tackler and pop them, you can put them on the ground. You don't need three, four, five guys to get these guys down. Right. That's a huge benefit of the Chiefs who are arriving in bunches anyway. Because they're like, hey, you know what? Let's all clown car this dude, and he's not going anywhere. I just feel like the the uh, intangibles that that Teron Matthew has brought to this team, his instincts and his 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 knowledge of the game and his understanding of defensive concepts and how to shut down rushing attacks is is spreading through the defense. There are already guys Absolutely. there. Yeah, we have guys there that are monsters up front. Chris Jones is going to be more healthy than he was last week, and he played twenty or so snaps last week, and it was impressive in his play. Frank Clark is a man possessed. Frank Clark is the guy we traded for and signed. Absolutely. He's every bit of what we and were hoping it. for. That that anomaly at the beginning of the season when he was playing injured and we didn't know it because he didn't want anybody to give him pity. That guy's not there anymore, San Francisco fans. Frank Clark is the same guy that tormented you when he was a Seahawk. That's the guy. But now he's lining up next to Chris Jones and he's lining up next to Terrell Suggs who had made yes. an impact again this week, pushing guys back inside and Sorensen sniffing things out early and penetrating the backfield. The, the trick is they have a bunch of speed backs, and it's like, well, I wonder who, if there's anybody on our team that we could utilize to pretend to be a fast running back for our defense to practice against. Do we have any any guys on the team who are notably quicker than the average NFL player? I think we might have a couple. Might um, have a few. Yeah, conversely... <laughs> I'm not so sure that the San Francisco receiving core can say the same thing as far as imitating Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins, nor do I feel that they're going to get the same effect practicing against Jimmy G that they'll see on display when they get Patrick Mahomes across from them, who's right. who's basically doing what Lamar Jackson did during the season that made him the you know, assumed 
MVP of the season, the regular season, he's getting 40, 50, 60 yards a game rushing on top of throwing for a lot of yards, like over 300 or right around 300 each game the last few weeks. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Patrick Mahomes is back, and he can run a little bit. He had a very, to me, it was that 27-yard run uh, before Patrick came along. The run. (laughs) Steve Young was my all-time favorite quarterback because of his dual threat ability and just his style and his, like, just heart. You could see the fight in his face. Patrick, that run he just did was as iconic as Steve Young against the Rams, as Steve Young against Minnesota. It was the most Steve Young-type run I think I've seen since Steve. I mean, there have been guys, I mean, you're not. I'm not talking about you know the Falcons QB of old, and I'm not talking about Lamar. That's a di- whole different animal. Right. Steve was never those guys, but Steve was a very good passer, very good thrower of the football, who happened to be able to hurt you with his legs, and that's what I saw when I saw Patrick running. I'm like, he's beating Steve Young right now. This is a little crazy for my eyeballs. What would you think when you saw that run? It was beautiful. Oh my gosh, I could not believe it. I figured at some point that it was either he was either going to step out of bounds or whatnot, but just his knowledge of where and awareness of where the defenders were and how much room he had in front of him, being able to just maneuver and juke his way into the end zone. I just could not believe. And yes, if there were any questions whether Patrick Mahomes was back or not, my goodness, he shut everybody up. (laughs) I mean, it was beautifully designed by him. And that's all that you can say because those are not those are not plays drawn up on any board whatsoever. It was just beautifully designed by him with instinct, awareness, and smarts. Well, it'll be fun. We have to pay attention this week to hear all the uh, the diatribe that goes around national media because I want to hear what the talking points are as to why they feel. Because a number of people have come out already and said that they feel San Francisco has the advantage. We can go over that. We can talk about that next week. Go inside some of the numbers. I just I. Some of the stuff I've heard so far, I just can't wait to debate that and to, and to, and to discuss that with you because I know you're going to have similar views as to what we've already touched upon. There are some other things people are talking about as far as the old lines, and I can't wait to dig into that. That's going to be fun. But staying in this celebratory mode, in this, in this, this uh, victory lap mode for our first AFC championship title in my lifetime, in our lifetimes, um, how do you think this sets things up? for the Kansas City Chiefs going forward? Oh, gosh. I just, I am optimistic and hopeful that this is, this. I already feel like this is the beginning of a brand new era of football. We get to watch these up-and-coming quarterbacks um, become, you know, what I grew up grew up watching. You know, you got to, I, between the quarterbacks of the old, you know, with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and the Manning brothers, um, just, this is... This is this new era of football, and I am looking forward to it. I'm so excited, and I want us to be able to enjoy this victory lap and for years to come, to be able to know that this isn't going to be – I'm also a Kansas City Royals baseball fan, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's yeah. not going to be 30 years between championships anymore and whatnot. So this is going to become a new norm is what I am hopeful for, and it's what I am looking forward to being able to celebrate and being able to have um, as I'm watching games with my boys you know, and they're only 10 and 11. So I want to be able to watch games with my boys and football seasons with my boys for these next years, knowing, oh yeah, the Chiefs are right there in it. Right. And right now, I think part of the reason why I didn't shed tears was the fact that last year's taste in my mouth was still so present 
and that woulda, coulda, shoulda moment, I just feel like that was the one that got away. That should have been the start of it all. But then I was thinking about that today. I spoke to Ryan about that, and I was like, you know what, though? If we did get past the Patriots, whether we won the Super Bowl or not, probably I think we would have won it. But if let's say we didn't. Let's say the Rams had a resurgence. We're like, well, we beat these guys before, yada, whatever. Because our defense was, let's be honest, it wasn't as dependable. Not even close right. as it is right now. Okay? If something happened and we hadn't won that, or even if we, you know, if especially if we had won it, would there be some of the guys we have on the roster right now? Would we have re-signed D. Ford? Would we have not traded for Frank Clark? Would we have kept Bob Sutton? A lot of things could have been different right now. Right. And we could have we could have stumbled through this year and a near loss last year could have resulted in this year being last year all over again. Right. Which would be a second painful year. I think last year was okay, the wounds of the past are in place. Last year was the band-aid. Rip the band-aid off, make the changes that are necessary, and heal up over the offseason and go forward into 2019, which is what I think we did. And Patrick fought admirably through the Madden curse. Yes, I'm calling it out, (laughs) the Madden curse. But it didn't derail him to the extent it has derailed some in the past. Yeah. He got a little little nicked up, a little slowed down, took his numbers down a little bit, still crazy good accuracy, crazy good numbers, only improved as a quarterback. And it happened at such a time that he got healthy in the perfect position, the perfect spot on the schedule right near the end of the season. The team held together. It showed the depth of the team. It showed the resiliency of this team going into battle with Matt Moore and pulling it out, going 50% on the two games he started and smoking the Broncos in the second half. I'm looking forward to watching things go forward. But that what happened last year, not again. That's what my mindset was watching. That. I, was, as I got close to that emotional peak, and then I, my brain went, whoa, whoa. This isn't, it was like when we were down 21 nothing to the Texans. The anger, the warrior got up and was like, this is not over. There's one more game. There are four more quarters to be played. This season is not finished. This championship is not yet being held by us. That's got to happen before I can really let loose with the emotions. Where will you guys be watching this game, this Super Bowl, this this monumental moment in Chiefs history? Oh, man. I knew you were going to ask me this. Do you know yet? <laughs> if you don't know, it's okay. okay. So... I do. Okay, well, I do. I'm going to be like that creepy meme with the person on the outside looking into the Hard Rock Stadium. Oh, you're going to go to Miami? <laughs> but, so every year I have a business trip uh-huh. that is in Tampa, Florida, and I always fly home on Super Bowl Sunday. Drives me nuts that I fly home on Super Bowl Sunday because, you know, I want to be football all day long. Mm-hmm. However, because I my business trip is in Tampa and the Super Bowl is in Miami, mm-hmm. I am going to detour to Miami because I at least want to be in the city, surrounded by my fellow Chiefs fans for this monumentous moment in Chiefs history. <laughs> that's that's a that's two words put together. That's momentous and monumental put together. This monumentous, <laughs> you hear that Chiefs Kingdom? It's a mixed metaphor. <laughs> You're doing that, and what am I doing, Eon? We can, you can't see this audience, but we have screens. We can see each other. I'm giving her the too smart hand gesture yes, from Tyron Matthew, the landlords, to Dirty Dan. And this week's game passed. They looked at each other and gave each other the too smart because that's exactly what I was thinking. My buddy's got plane tickets he bought at the beginning of the year because he thought the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, and you know, as luck would have it, didn't <laughs> didn't put away the money to buy tickets and just like didn't know the tickets. I don't think he knew the tickets were going to be this expensive. And my suggestion was to him, 
Perhaps we could meet there, since I'm closer now than I was before, and just at least be in the city and feel the electricity of the event in the same location. So that's a strong consideration that's going through my thought processes right now, depending on scheduling and how things work out. I might take a trip down there to meet up with my buddy Kelvin Brown. I'm calling you out, buddy. One of my <laughs> longest time Chiefs fans. He's from the region, so he's by birthright. And uh, we might just be down there to uh, to do the very same thing, witness it in the locale. A friend of mine who's a Dolphins fan, a cast director friend of mine, Craig. Hey, Craig. He's looking into right now, seeing what uh, what places we should look at staying because everything's just astronomically pricey right now. But whatever, you know, it's a once in a lifetime thing. But he knows the region. He's got family still there, and he said. If you go down there, there's like a bar outside the stadium that's part of the stadium where you can watch and you don't have to buy a ticket. And also there were a couple of times when he was down there for Super Bowls where people came up and just offered him extra tickets just gave like so somebody could enjoy it, didn't ask for money or anything. And he also threw out there that if there was a uh, individual who may happen to possess multiple tickets that, you know, their, quote, family members couldn't be there for, I can't remember what they're called. Rhymes with helper, starts with a ska. <laughs> but uh, you never know. They might just go, give me a couple hundred bucks, I'll give you this for the second half. Because oh. that could be a thing. There could be some, you know, disgruntled Niner fans leaving by halftime if they're getting blown Absolutely. out. And I would have no problem sliding in there to fill their seat and uh, watch the Chiefs roll to victory. Right, replace um, so a lot one of things red going jersey with another red jersey in their seat. No exactly. Well, I'm, I'm hoping we're wearing the reds because we're being called the home team. Yes. So we should be able to wear the colors. My question is, I wonder if they're going to let us paint the end zone with the traditional colors, with the yellow yes. that they've been doing through the playoffs. So, I hope you've so. You've been working all day, but I saw this for a brief moment. I was okay. on a bus with many fourth graders today, so I don't uh-huh. know how my brain recalled this. But they're painting one end zone, the 49ers traditional end zone, mm-hmm. and our end zone is the old school yellow end zone. Oh, shut oh, up! And it looks yes. beautiful. Yes. It is decided. <laughs> yes. It is decided. The universe is bringing it all together, going old school. And oh my goodness, I just, this is like, this is more fodder for my imagination. I'm putting out to the universe. Yes. Just guide me to the right thing. If I'm supposed to be down there, work it out, make it happen, make my schedule work and, and we'll be down there because, uh, it's just, I feel like it's something that just to be around that environment and the celebratory atmosphere afterwards is going to be an unmissable experience, I think. But uh, I will keep you informed. Please do. This week and next week coming, we'll see what happens. It's not a big shift for me because I'm not in L.A. anymore, so it's real easy to pop on a, what, two-hour flight and pop down there or drive down there even. Because you can always crash in your car if you can't find a place to stay. <laughs> Putting it out there, universe. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, what's up? I'm a 20-year-old actor in L.A. Just you got to do what you got to do. Our defense does what they have our team does what they have to do you as a fan have to do what you have to do (laughs) you got to do what you got to do for your team (laughs) i'm too much of a grown man i think to sleep in my car my pride would be like this is no come on come on dude i actually suggested to my buddy i said if if prices are just crazy i said what about this and this is goes out to you other chief fans out there who are not sure how to make this work even if you just want to be there for the for the energy of whatnot what if we rented a camper from like Cruise America just inside the border of Florida, drive down, just camp out at a campsite, go into the city for the game, the celebratory atmosphere, and then cruise back out, crack open a case of beer and go, go Chiefs. 
with a couple of cold ones and just enjoy a campfire and look up at the stars and, and try to understand that this really just happened. I that can be kind of cool to too. I be comments from your podcast listeners taking I, you up well, on this. I hope so. I hope that they're all out there thinking that this is a great idea because I think it's a great idea. We might do that. Who knows? I might win a ticket. There's still things in the air. There's still things going on. There are other forces at work here, as we've all Absolutely. witnessed so far. Everything just from the moment Fitzmagic said, not today, New England. <laughs> With his beard, his pirate beard, and said, Yarg, I will be stealing your last game from you. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, pretty awesome. They were at home in New England, which makes it even more embarrassing. It makes it even huh? more Isn't incredible. That, that it big sure dude does. just ran all over y'all. You're supposed to have oh. this, this epic defense. What happened to that? Huh? So, uh, yeah, for those people, here, here's the one argument. For those people who think Kansas City can't stop the run, <laughs> what happened to Baltimore and New England? Yeah. Either they suck on defense, or we got a really good run defense. How do you I argue tend, that? <laughs> I tend to believe the latter. The numbers are on the wall. You can't argue with the numbers. They're right there. Derrick Henry on the sideline when he did nothing in the second half. Zero. Mm-hmm. Zilch. Mm-hmm. You tried, Derrick. You can't. It's, it's, it takes more than one guy, dude. It's not your fault. You worked really hard. I felt like, almost felt, I wanted to wait till the clock was reading zeros, but there was a couple times I looked and I just almost wanted to give him the the, the, the goodwill hunting hug and to tell him it's not your fault. It's right. not your fault. He was trying so hard to carry that team to victory, and it was just too much. It's just too much for one guy, especially a guy that's getting hit. People are like, oh, he's going to bring the beating. He's going to pound guys. He's a big bruising back in the cold weather. Yeah, but he's one guy getting hit by 11 guys. Exactly. He's hitting 11 other people, but they're all hitting him. And it was late in the game, and it was just like, watch. Every time they cut to the sideline, he had the mask up. Mm-hmm. Over his nose, and the first thing I thought of was um, Ladainian Tomlinson in that playoff game, yeah, where he just didn't like want to be seen. He had that grilly face mask and the and the visor. It just was reminiscent of that. If I didn't feel like he was really sad, I wanted to say, "You mad, bro?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt like he was girl. almost in tears. I felt like he was so frustrated. And let me pose this question to you: Do you think the Titans keep both Tannehill and or Derrick Henry? Because they're both ready to be re-signed or let go. What do you think happens there? I think it's a very interesting question. I think that, honestly, Derrick Henry probably has a better chance of being uh, re-signed and kept in Tennessee than Ryan Tannehill, for sure. Um, But Ryan Tannehill has also proven himself quite so in this portion of the season here where he has played um, in Mariota's spot. So... I mean, the questions, it's not out of the question for both of them to remain, but I don't know that, I, I do think that Derrick Henry's chances are greater in, for staying in Tennessee than it would be for Ryan's. Mm-hmm. I would say, I, I would agree with that, but I would I would add this idea. I think what will happen is because Derrick, despite the number of carries he had this year, was over 400. He he hasn't got a lot of tread in his professional tires because he wasn't used as much earlier on the first few years in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tannehill had years to try to prove it in Miami. Granted, there was a couple times where he lost a lot of games because of injury, but he had a lot of time to try to prove it as a quarterback. It never kind of came together. Right. He missed a lot of time. He couldn't prove that he wasn't injury prone. This year he came out of nowhere to prove, A, he could stay healthy, B, he can contribute both with his arm and his legs, but it's a small sample size. To be fair, they're both smallish sample sizes, but at least Derek's was most of this year, and he did set some really high marks for his career. I think what will happen is I think Derek Henry gets signed, 
um, based on how things ended. It'll be good, not as good as it might have been, the contract, but it'll be a good contract. And I would say franchise tag Tannehill, and let's see you do it again. Mm-hmm. Let's see you do that again. Let's add a few more pieces and, and give you a little more help and see if you can do it again. That uh, performance by Derrick Henry, a large part of that was that offensive line. People are sleeping on this Chiefs defensive line. Yeah. Because that offensive line in Tennessee is something else. And they're young. Okay. San Fran's got a really great left tackle. He's, he's a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. That, that Tennessee line was manhandling superb defenses. And Casey, after the first three drives, went, oh, Got it. Figured them out. And it was just like, wow, they are getting no movement whatsoever. They can't protect their quarterback long enough, who is mobile. We didn't get to him a ton because they were good. But our secondary was good in coverage. Our front seven were just all over the place. Our linebackers made plays. Our safeties made play after play. It's a, it's a new look Kansas City Chiefs defense uh, since about week 10 on. And you know, maybe people will take notice after the Super Bowl. We'll see. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming back on again. Thank you. I yes, thanks for having me on this victory lap. It's it's been a a really great week. <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, this next week. Coming up is going to be media week. We're going to have to pay attention to the uh, the news wires and the. TV outlets and see what everyone has to say about their assessment of this game, this matchup between these two final teams in this season. The NFL going into the Super Bowl in the year 2020. It'll be your Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. Let's all say it together. Say it loud, Chiefs Kingdom. Say it proud. Go Chiefs. So, Sermon, we've really kept it. Um, we're, we've got a tight itinerary, and uh, we've, we're sticking to that. And Ted's done a good job of kind of keeping the media part organized. And, and um, you know, we're, we're there to, to play, but we're also there. It's a Super Bowl, and we understand everybody's got their jobs doing. People are interested, so we, we understand that. Does it allow you, is it like a full bye week, right? You, you know the word on your, you after the bye week and what an advantage that is. Does it give you a full bye week or does it eat up half that, three quarters of that? Yeah, for the coaches, it's not bad. Um, next week, there, there's a few more distractions, but um, this week you get yourself right and get the game plan ready and, and get ready to go. So, and then when you get down there, you, you're able to kind of go back through and review and finalize things and make sure everything's the way you want. Guys like Stephen Wisniewski and Terrell Suggs have been in the long you had. How much of the conversations between you three been with other players to tell them about the experience and what they're about to get into? Yeah, um, they've talked and um, to the guys and uh, not necessarily collectively, but they've had a chance to share uh, some of their experiences with them. So it's, uh, it's been part of it, yeah. And it's part of that turning off the celebration of, of Sunday and, and getting your mind right for the next game. And how, how yes. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a matter of getting back in the swing of things. And there, there's, you don't have the time to, right now, to do all of that. You, you have the time initially. 
but the guys were back in to work and the coaches were back in that next day going and um, the players came in on a normal week so um, I, listen I can't I, they, you have to put it behind you relatively quick but like they know um, there's a whole off season to do all that <laughs> right so right now they they're, they're pretty focused in yeah, so today's normal Wednesday, tomorrow normal. We'll take it all the way through Friday. Uh, Saturday it's shut down so they can get everything together to move on Sunday. Um, so we'll be going, and then we get down there, we'll practice on Monday and Tuesday. When, you know, we kind of get back into a normal routine. So you're into game plan prep already? Yes, yeah. When you uh, were in the Super Bowl before the Eagles, it was Jacksonville. This is Miami. Could be a lot of distractions. Have you guys gotten to where you're going to do curfews? How are you going to treat the guys when they get down there on those those nights when it's you know you're, it's a, can be a distracting place? Yeah, I mean there's there's a, a curfew just so we can kind of keep track of everybody, but it's not one that we don't trust the guys. I mean it's late, so um, and I trust that they're going to handle themselves the right way. And there's a normal curfew before the night of the game, but. Um, the other one's a little bit later, just so we make sure everybody's accounted for, you know, and ready to go for the following day. Go ahead. Well, kind of out, to be honest, since you've been to the Super Bowl as a coordinator and then obviously as a coach, um, you know, will you at least, I guess, on the, on the plane right there, kind of, you know, let them know what they're going to be, what to expect, you know, open at night and then, you know, the distraction, the family, and stuff like that that's going to be, something that they've never experienced only outside of the Sure. Yeah, we, we've addressed all that. We've uh, um, got a great bunch of people that work for us here, and they're so organized. Um, starting with Mark. I mean, Mark Donovan doesn't get near enough credit for all that he does and um, keeping us all together. So, um, uh, But he's he's got it really well organized. He also has been there, so he knows uh, a little bit of the chaos that goes on once you get there. But... Um, it's, it's well, you know, they've done a nice job. Mitch Reynolds has been very involved with it, and he's done a nice job with it. So um, it, it's, uh, and we, we've talked to the team. They, they know, uh, you know, the whole deal. They've, they've got the, they've had it laid out to them. So. Andy, along those lines, how do you think your past experiences benefit you in your own perspective coming into this, having been to the Super Bowl before and yeah, um, I, I don't think it can hurt. Um, so I, yeah, I have been there and and uh, been through it. And there, I I know the fact that there are things that go on down there. I mean, the, there's just a lot of events and a lot of media response. Excuse me, responsibility. So we've got to just make sure we stay on top of that and uh, you know and we keep it organized. And Ted Ted does a phenomenal job of that. So. Um, you know, and then we then we go. But I try to keep everything cut and dry, and guys know where they're going, where they're at, what they have to do. And I'm not just keeping them busy to keep them busy. I trust that they're they're, they're men and they'll handle it the right way. Is it any way a, a calming sort of thing for you to, to know you've been there and sort of can trace trace what it what it will feel like? Yeah, I wouldn't say anything out of the norm other than you've been there, right? So you you've been through it, um, so you kind of know what to what to expect. So. I don't know if that's calming, but it's. Uh, um, I know what to expect, and normally that's okay. You know, normally that's a good thing. So. What you thinking of 49ers? What's your maintenance start? Would you come in? 
Well, I think they're well coached. I think they're a real good football team, and they're, they're solid on uh, both sides of the ball and special teams. So, um, you know, you, but that's what you get when you're the last two teams going. I mean, that's, that's what you expect. Um, and we're in it for the challenge, and this is a great challenge, and uh, that's why we do what we do. Yeah, so Hitch is, uh, again, one of the captains. He, he um, um, voted on by, by his team and teammates, and that's, uh, that's a, that tells you kind of the story. Well-respected. He does his homework. Extremely hard worker, and uh, the guys respect him for that. Andy, <clears throat> did, did this championship feeling different for you than 2004? I wish I I, I can't remember all the details of how I prepped for it, but I, I, uh, that was a long time ago. Um, but I, I, from my recollection, I, we were very similar you know, to getting to this point. Yeah, listen, I think because you're, I, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I think because you're older, uh, back then you go, oh, we've got the one here, we'll get to, you know, a million of them, you know, but uh, doesn't quite come that easy. So. I think you just uh, you respect it and uh, appreciate it probably even a little bit more than I did back then. I appreciate it then, but I think it's even more more uh, now. Last three, we're going to go by or last four, we're going to Andy, just because you happen to be playing in San Francisco, I wonder if your mind has flashed back at all to your, your coaching roots at uh, San Francisco State and, and how much part of your career that you feel like that represented really the start. Yeah, that no, was great. Um, I'd stayed on at BYU for a couple of years and, and then uh, um, went to San Francisco State, worked for Vic Rowan, who um, was an older coach, very, very well respected in the, in, the, in the country, head of the College Football Coach Association, and, um, and he was a great teacher of coaches and players, tremendous amount of experience. and. And so it was a great learning ground for me and, uh, uh, you know, personally as a coach. Um, and he gave me an opportunity to, to work, which I, I appreciated. And a program that size, obviously you're, you're doing many things. I remember all the fundraising sorts of things. But does that give you a kind of underpinning to, to do bigger things later? Yeah, I mean, I've come a long way from selling hot dogs to they actually, Alan gives me a couple after the game, so I'm, I'm doing good. I don't pay for them. Um, but, yeah, no, we, we it was a Division II non-scholarship program. So a great conference, that Northern California Athletic Conference was a great conference and um, put out a lot of coaches, a lot of players, and um, great experience. So, you know, it gave you that uh, respect factor to where you are now, and you appreciate it. You don't take it for granted. And uh, for being here, you feel very privileged to be in this position. Coach, uh, you faced a couple of teams in the playoffs already that had, had success running the ball against you, and you were much more successful this time around. This is another team that obviously runs the ball really well, but uh, are we seeing the evolution with the rules? How good players are, your receivers, Patrick Mahomes, but quarterbacks and receivers around? And, and the old adage, you got to run to win, just isn't the reality of the game anymore? Um, I, you know what? I. I want to believe that, uh, but I, you still, I, I think combinations are good or uh, playing the team's strengths and weakness. I think those are important matchups, all those things, and that's been forever. 
So I, I, I think it depends on who you're playing, where you're playing, what you're doing, what you're best at, what they're best at, and um, and then you you work work to the strength of it. Obviously, if you can do, if you run the ball well, you can throw it well. Uh, that's the best of both worlds, and so that combination has always been tough uh, for defenses uh, to you know to work with. So. Um, you know, I think both teams are capable of doing that. That are in this game. BJ, Coach, I apologize if I missed this on Monday, but Chris Jones, since he didn't practice a whole lot, he didn't do a whole lot of games. Curious how he felt this week. <clears throat> yeah, he feels. Uh, I think he feels pretty good. Um, uh, he didn't have a setback, so that that was good. Um, we kept it uh, that twenty play area right there, so which was smart, uh, I think, um, and good for him. And he didn't wear us out on it, which um, he want, I know he wanted to play, and uh, and so, but he didn't completely beat us up on it every five seconds. But he, uh, when he got in there, he, you know, he he did some nice things. So um, originally we started him, or initially we started him uh, in the, on third downs, and then he was feeling good, and we put him in a couple situations, uh, first, second down situations. Last one, Steve. Coach. Coach. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.